Hello and welcome. My name is Nick Krause and I'm a debt origination reporter for Reorg. Joining me today are Jens Ritzka, Head of Private Debt for DWS, and Marcus Herbig, Head of Structured Income for DWS. I'll be speaking with them about fundraising in a challenging macroeconomic environment, the right level for financial covenants, and whether or not LPs are seeking larger funds. Uh, thank you both for uh, joining me. Um, I just wanted to start off uh, actually asking uh, about the uh, fundraising environment for your latest fund. Uh, how how was the environment and how has that changed compared to your previous fund? Yannick, thanks. Uh, this is uh, Jens speaking and appreciate a lot the opportunity to have this uh, interview with you. Um, I would say there are some very significant changes uh, compared to when we were in the market uh, last time. We were um, raising capital in 2018 and 19, uh, roughly speaking, and back then we were in a, in a low and uh, negatively yielding um, environment. That caused a lot, a lot of um, interest for direct lending, for income-oriented um, uh, strategies. Many um, also new investors looked at this market um, asking, how is this working and how can we achieve an attractive um, risk-adjusted return? Also back then, um, inflation uh, levels were, were fairly low and um, maybe roughly saying uh, the expectation um, that that uh, environment would uh, proceed for longer was, was fairly common. Um, and well, accordingly, the the capital available from investors was um, was quite high. Um, so that environment, from our perspective, has uh, has changed um, um, materially. I mean, first of all, if we look at at the yield levels, uh, we are we are now in a in positive uh, territories. Um, we have seen um, the the um, also short term interest rates uh, rising uh, significantly, um, which uh, on the one side means uh, there is a lot of uh, competition um, when it comes to the capital available. Uh, liquid uh, fixed income asset classes um, are delivering what many institutional investors are expecting from those asset classes. So it's simply the question which um, asset class is from a relative perspective more um, more interesting. Um, but also maybe more from a from a company, from a fundamental perspective, of course, the, the financing costs for companies have increased in that environment, causing questions, um, how can uh, companies deal with uh, these higher financing costs and to which extent can they pass through um, from an inflation perspective, uh, the higher inflation costs. So a lot of question marks where I would say um, that there is not the final answer yet. There, there, are, there is a, a very uh, a lot of attention looking at what would that mean for, for, for these um, companies. And maybe last but not least, also looking back, um, when we raised our first fund, I would say roughly the EBDA ranges were around 10 and 50 million. A typical term loan size may have been around 50 to 150 million. Very selectively, we have seen uh, transactions beyond uh, 250 million. Again, that was uh, back in the times 2018 to 19. Um, looking at the market right now, you can see that um, the transaction sizes have increased um, uh, significantly. Um, you can see deals um, beyond three, 400 million. The market um, has gained in terms of um, acceptance from borrowers, um, has proven um, that there is um, a reliable uh, capital available, um, and um, peers have raised a lot of assets uh, for their funds also, um, which also means 
transaction size um, has to have to increase to some extent, which in a nutshell means um, the um, the depth of the market um, has has increased. You have um, um, this more large cap uh, market. Uh, you have a true middle market. You have a lower middle market. You have uh, various. Um, uh, players uh, which are active in those, so it, it's simply broadening the the set of um, investment opportunities also for investors. Um, what are the most important challenges your fund faces in 2023? Yeah, I think um, there might be three different uh, situations um, we feel are challenging at the moment. One, of course, is the deal flow we see in private markets, still um, the M&A activity is uh, very muted, um, which, um, of course, is a challenge then to deploy uh, capital um, and also to have the, the choice where to deploy that capital and to understand um, from a pricing perspective these days where pricing should be. Um, a second one would be the type of financing um, borrowers currently want. Um, we do see a lot of refinancing uh, situations, uh, but in terms of new transactions, of course, also related to the M&A activity, um, uh, we, we have uh, less less though in offering. So um, there is, again, more of these refinancing situations. And um, the third one would be, um, of course, our current uh, portfolio performance. Um, while we are in uh, very good shape, um, have not seen any losses or, or defaults, um, of course, um, there are some um, few situations which are uh, challenging and which are simply uh, very time consuming. And so um, just very, very few situations can can cause um, a lot of um, time you have to spend on those, um, um, which is the situation we are in. So I would say these are the three most important challenges we are seeing at the moment. And and in terms of um, just just picking up on, on something you said about the, the covenants, um, how how has that that changed in terms of the financial covenants you're, you're putting in place uh, recently <coughs> compared to um, before, uh, let's say a, a couple of years ago? What in terms of what what actual covenants are are mm. being used now, which weren't used before? Um, I don't think we are changing the way we set the covenants. I think we've been very diligent um, over the last few years. Anyway, I think the leverage covenant is is the main covenant, the most important covenant. You may have, in addition nowadays, a liquidity covenant, um, but these are the two um, ones which we concentrate on. I think the, the tricky bit is to set the right level. Um, you don't want to set it at a level where you have to have a discussion with the borrower because he's just underperforming in one quarter. And you don't want to set it at a level where when you actually can have a conversation, um, it, it's already obvious that the business model is broken. So I, th I think you have to be very diligent, particularly in this market environment and with this volatility, with higher rates, inflation, um regulatory changes that you set your covenant level at the right level maybe um even even a regit that it uh, possibly goes down over the life or of the loan but i think in general we have not adjusted because we don't think we have to adjust it our our way how we look at covenants since it has worked uh, until today quite well okay 
Uh, brilliant. And um, you, you mentioned, obviously, uh, earlier, you know, seeing maybe a slight improvement with the second quarter um, and encouraging signs. I'm just wondering kind of uh, what sectors and and within Europe, what countries mm-hmm. are the most attractive for, for new deals going into the second half of this year? Um, sector wise, I think, um, yeah, we consider businesses with strong cash flows and, and a defensive business characteristics in general as the most attractive uh, uh, sectors. In our fund, we are generally industry agnostic, uh, meaning we look at all different industries. Um, We try to to, to build a diversified uh, portfolio across sectors uh, with a very attractive uh, uh, risk return profile. But um, Every business we look at, uh, or the sectors we look at, um, they have to have a strong business characteristics, a strong cash flow. Um, that having said, we have a higher confidence level um, in non-cyclical sectors like software, healthcare, and 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 business services. Um, furthermore, we we expect interesting opportunities in the industrial uh, sector now as well. I think financing uh, has been not very strong in this sector. Um, there are more and more opportunities because of the lack of funding, but you have to be very diligent um, what you what you're doing to uh, what you're going to finance um, in the industrial sector. Um, it is all down to the specific business, how you structure the opportunity, um, and and uh, there are significant uh, 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 opportunities also in the particularly in the in the in the mid market or the uh, the lower mid-market sector here. Okay, and uh, what types of financing will you seek to provide from from your latest fund, and and has this has this changed? Um, so we are, we are focused on on senior lending, stretched senior, uni chance, um, and that's what we have done in the past. So there hasn't been any change, and there won't be a change uh, going forward. Um, the structures slash the leverage have become more conservative due to the current market economic situation, including the interest rate rise. Um, in addition, we are even more focused on analyzing the cyclicality of, of a business, the volatility in volumes, um, the inflation impact. Um, we are selecting businesses that can cope with the potential impact. I think our stress scenarios are probably a bit more severe than they were before. Uh, for the past transaction, I think it was very important that we had uh, triggers in there where the borrower was forced to enter into interest rate hedges. And that that has proven to be very beneficial uh, given the steep rise in rates. Um, And again, I think coming back to the the covenant, um, setting the covenant at the right level is is the most important part in a very strict documentation. Um, I think uh, direct lenders have a bit more um, flexibility than banks. Um, in this case, um, uh, we focus more on the on the lower mid market, which, um, um, which has more attractive returns, um, less competition, and uh, you can still negotiate a very structural, uh, very good structural protection. Yes, and I was going to ask actually, um, are direct lending funds becoming kind of more bullish, really, in the in the mid market space? As, as bank activity has declined or, or are funds uh, as badly affected by the current uh, situation? 
I, I think direct lending funds can be bullish. Um, direct lending funds are offered more opportunities to provide lending since banks or the activity of banks has declined. Um, this allows us even more to have a more selective approach um, in today's market and mainly focus on businesses that can cope with potential impacts um, and events uh, in, in a declining market. Um, as previously mentioned, I mean, the number of these has declined compared to 2022, but uh, the outlook for the rest of the year, the year has improved a lot. And, and with banks being less and less active, that leaves more and more deals um, for direct lenders. And I think once, and I would say one advantage of direct lenders is really they have dry powder, they have, have commitments, and they can therefore continue to provide financing even in a, in a volatile market environment, when banks are actually tightening balance sheets and and and, and reducing RWA. Okay, okay, and and just in terms of, um, I, I think you mentioned uh, just before about uh, obviously leverage, and I was just wondering what's the kind of average level of pricing and leverage um, you're you're seeing now in in mm. in, in well, I suppose we're in Q3 now, but uh, compared to the first half of the year. Um, I don't think we see material changes um, now from from the first six months of the year in terms of margin and, and, and uh, fees. Yes, we have, of course, still the, an increase in the base rate that makes the, the, the whole transaction um, even more uh, attractive. And uh, I don't see um, a lot of upside for the ECB to to increase uh, rates further. Um, that view might change if, if cover markets um, high yield and, and the syndicated level loans will, will, or might would would tighten um, over the next few months, and that would mainly impact the the higher mid market and the large cap markets, um, which would also bring down um, margins. And fees, but I think on the on the lower mid market, it will have less of an impact. In, in Q1, we have seen some tightening of margins and fees compared to uh, the second half of 2022, but um, these levels are still well above the let's call it the pre-Ukraine levels. The current yields for typical senior lending unit transaction in the, in the middle market are around six and a half to seven percent. Um, opening margin, um, roughly two and three quarters, maybe three percent upfront fee. Um, for some lower leverage transactions, um, yields might be or margins might be half a point to a point lower. Okay, and I, I just wanted to uh, kind of move on to to LPs. I, I suppose this is obviously to, to both of you as, as well. I was just wondering, um, at this current point in time, what are uh, LPs most concerned about in in fundraising and in in deal making. I think the the question you get most often is is around defaults. Um, so to which extent um, are defaults rising? Um, what's happening in the portfolio? Clients are much more requesting uh, transparency uh, when it comes to valuations. Um, and, and I simply want to understand that this is not just a, a black box and in which situation um, uh, the p portfolio is. So um, 
questions around default and transparency are certainly um, increasing um, for good reasons. And uh, on the other side, uh, it, it means it's much more important now to provide uh, transparency um, to explain how is evaluation um, derived, um, are restructurings taking place, how do you cure certain um, um, information. So also LPs are becoming much more, um, let's say, um, advanced in, in, in terms of um, how they request uh, transparency and, and deal with those kind of um, situations. So that that's um, the one side. Deal-making, I think Mark has explained the situation uh, that it's um, a bit more a muted um, environment these days. Um, um, also, when it comes to M&A um, activity, um, on the other side, also looking at fundraising, the question has always been how, how fast can you um, deploy the capital? So, of course, clients are very keen to see that the capital they commit is also deployed. On the other side, um, everyone appreciates kind of cautious um, underwriting process, especially in this kind of environment. Um, the kind uh, of deals which are underwritten uh, and selected um, are, are in good shape. Um, that's, I would say, the, the environment we face right now. And... Um uh, some, maybe one of the trends we've we've heard uh, being talked about is LPs seeking larger funds, and I was just wondering how your your fund kind of navigates this trend. Yeah, I, I think this can be seen from two, two perspectives: are LPs uh, seeking larger funds, or are direct lenders um, raising more capital and are offering uh, larger funds? Um, it is. Um, obvious that um, because this direct lending has been become more accepted and established, um, also the, the, the transaction sizes are increasing, uh, more LPs are coming to this market, are committing capital, that capital needs to be um, deployed. Most direct lenders are paid on invested uh, capital instead of committed capital. So money needs to be put at work. Um, so um, with this, um, also having seen that direct lenders have raised more money and are raising more money for successor funds, um, that also means um, that transaction sizes are increasing and some very large LPs are, of course, may looking more for these kind of, um, of funds because they can put a lot of, of their money um, at work, might feel more comfortable with larger um, corporations um, in this an environment. And um, on the other side, and, and that's the... Um, to your question, how do we navigate this? Uh, we um, felt very comfortable um, with the market we accessed um, um, a few years ago, and we are in. Um, we feel that this is the like true mid-market um, of the European Union, which you can call the, the backbone um, of the European Union. Many very exciting uh, companies with very interesting uh, businesses. Um, kind of essential use you would have for the uh, economy. And um, this this mid-market, this lower mid-market from our perspective offers a lot of um, values for clients when it comes, as Mark has described, around pricing stability, structural protection, um, underwriting slash pricing negotiation um, uh, power. Um, these are elements we like a lot. And we also uh, talk to LPs who appreciate that that, that is um, the, the right um, also then value proposition and thinking about target fund size, um, why we would consider some 1, 1. 1.5 billion to be a reasonable size for a fund for this kind of investment strategy. Um, that's also appreciate, 
appreciated by a piece. And with this, you, I, I think um, it, it will become more and more obvious in the future that also we have to differentiate between larger funds, maybe five billion plus, that, that would be a bit of a different segment um, of this market. And then mid-market, lower mid-market um, um, funds being more in this range I just described. That, that is different also um, kind of economies you would underwrite to. And there is demand from LPs for these kind of strategies. Mm, very good, very good. And uh, finally, just just to, to both of you, um, I was wondering what are the most important trends then in, in private debt? Um, we've heard from uh, the industry that some trends could include LPs pursuing so-called evergreen funds and other trends such as larger direct lenders acquiring smaller funds. But but to, to both of you, what, what are the most important trends? Yeah, I can I can start on this. Um, on the on the one side, you see a kind of retailization um, of also the European market in the US. You can already see um, these um, open-ended uh, funds, um, evergreen funds, BDC structures. Uh, in in Europe, you see a lot of um, conversations around um, LTIF and and um, the question how can wholesale slash retail clients access uh, this kind of market. Um, this is a trend. Um, uh, it has started again with the competition from um, yields having risen and 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 liquid markets. Um, it it from our perspective is a, is a way to go. Uh, for the direct lending market to become a kind of established um, asset class uh, or building block in the asset allocations of private slash wholesale clients. But there is a trend here. Um, another one you mentioned is, uh, are these evergreens? Of course, um, a direct lending um, would have um, a justification to be part of evergreen structures. You build a portfolio, you ramp it up, you can offer um, over periods some kind of um, of liquidity. And and that is something uh, we think maybe over years, five ten years, um, will become could become quite established also in Europe. With as as we described, direct lending becomes more accepted by borrowers. More clients are stepping in. That also evergreen structures in Europe um, will become um, more present. Um, and um, Marcus, you might you might comment on 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 the trend we see on on the sponsor slash non sponsor backed side. Um, maybe from f firstly from our from our client perspective. I mean, if you if you get an SMA from a client, they are usually um, open ended. So um, large clients uh, who, who put a lot of uh, or invest a lot of money in in certain funds, they they are usually let's call it open ended uh, uh, mandates. On other sorry, other trends. <clears throat> Um, on, I think that the most important bit is when you, when you have the open-ended funds is to match the liquidity of the, the wrapper with the illiquidity of the underlying. I think that is the biggest challenge when you um, start offering such products to retail or to private wealth. I think it's a very critical point. I think the regulators are also looking into it. Um, Sort of promising liquidity, which you to to the to the end client, which you then actually can't meet in in stress scenarios. I don't think uh, regulators are um, are too happy about it. Uh, so, could you elaborate a, a bit more um, on on that that last point? So, um, 
your your loan is an illiquid asset. You hold it for five years. Um, um, you 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 lend to a company and and hold on to the loan. If you wrap that into a a fund that is uh, uh, has a sort of a liquidity um, or, or investors invest into the fund that may think they can can sell uh, their fund shares, um, but they, in the end they, they can't. Okay. Um, okay, understood. And and Yen, sorry, would you uh, were you going to add to that? No, I I just had had this one last point around um, the the sponsor versus non-sponsor back uh, transactions because um, I mean the the market is sponsor back dominated um, could rather say by nature and uh, this this topic at the moment is um, discussed intensively in the market and 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 could be another addition um, and as Marcus explained while while banks um, are forced um, more and more to or are constrained to to lend at certain uh, levels and and that also will of course have an uh, impact to to borrowers which are not sponsor backed, um, that that could be another addition to this entire direct lending market where you will get additional access to um, potential investment opportunities. With on the other side, of course, um, um, different kind of investors when it comes to documentation, timeline of underwriting, maybe the price point you will have to um, agree on things like that. So complexity for those deals would would certainly be uh, be higher but but that is something at least we see um more and more discussion around this and appetite also also from investors um asking is it something you're active well uh, something something then to to look forward to for the for the rest of the year <laughs> if nothing yeah. else brilliant thanks thanks a lot uh, jens thanks thanks a lot marcus um mm-hmm. we appreciate it thank you